But a light that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Cities that are illuminated with all the electric lights that we have today, they're easily seen even from a distance. And that is how we are to be. Now think about this. If all of Chicago had electric lights, as it does, but only one person in the whole city had its light on, do you think that we would see the glow of that light from a distance at all? But when two, three, four thousands light up, we have this stronger strength, right? That is Christians. You are the light of the world. Together, we have a stronger reflection of Christ and his love to the world around us. And we're not to hide that light, which to our shame as believers, we often attempt to do. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Light is vital. Light is so important to us, but sadly, the light that should be most important to us is a light that has been often neglected by humanity and it's the light of God's love that shines through the brightness of his son. He who is born the savior of the world is also the star and the light of the world. And we want to look at that today in a message that I entitled the star and the light of Jesus. And we're going to see the star in Numbers 24:17. This is important Old Testament prophecy that connects us to the birth of Jesus Christ. We're also going to see the light that Jesus declared of himself in John 8, 12. And then we're going to look at what Jesus called us the light of the world in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. So I'm going to go ahead and just uh, ask God to bless the teaching of his word, also the offertory, which I've neglected to pray for. And then we'll get into our message this morning. We ask, Father, that you would now bless the teaching of your word. Bless this day, Lord, in our lives. Make it special for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. But Jesus himself speaks of himself not only as the bright and morning star, not only as the star, but as a light. In John 8, 12. Now, it's about 33 years after the birth of Jesus, and most of the religious rulers had determined that Jesus was not their Messiah. They were not going to 
follow him as the Messiah. And they were actually at this point trying to catch Jesus in his words. They were trying to bring accusation against him that would either cause him to be put to death. That's what they wanted by this time. And they didn't care if it was uh, a death sentence by Jewish law or Roman law. They just wanted Jesus out of the picture. And it's on one of those occasions that the scribes and the Pharisees came against Jesus that Jesus declared in John 8, 12, saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. This word for light in the Greek is phos, and a very similar to Greek words that we've pulled our English words concerning light as well. But it speaks about light in contrast to darkness, and it usually in relationship to some source of light other than the, it could be like the sun or the moon or a fire or a lamp. But in this case, it's concerning Jesus. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And the light is so important. Remember, I was able to construct a snow fort as a young child because I had a light to work by. It wasn't a lot of light, but it was enough light to get the job done. David, well, actually, uh, Psalm 119 isn't accredited to anyone. So in Psalm 119, 105, we have this famous psalm that says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, referring to the very word of God. Your word is a light to my feet and a lamp. I did that backwards. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we think about a lamp. That is a Hebrew word that refers to an oil lamp. It refers to actually in Hebrew, a small bowl that could be filled with oil where they would put a wick in it to give light to the household. And so you think about that. Uh, this past week, we had some high winds around here, and uh, our power went out in our house for several hours. It's like we haven't had a power outage in a long time, so we didn't even have candles out anywhere. I had to dig out candles. But not a lot of light. In fact, I was in the middle of a shower when the lights went out, and so <laughs> there was no light wasn't ready for that one, <laughs> but it was still light enough. Candlelight, uh, the first thing I went for was my phone to get the light on there. Light enough to see, to kind of get around the house, but not a lot of light. It's not like you have the light switches on and everything's lit up in your household. And this is that word. Your word is a lamp. It's a light. It's a small light. But think about that. When you have a lamp like that, what do you do with it? Do you put it like on the other side of the room and you're working over here? No, you keep it what? You keep it near, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And so we think about that, of thinking of the word of God being a lamp unto our feet, that we need to actually keep his word near to us, to guide us. So when we lit the candle after the power went out in our house, we didn't leave them downstairs, but we carried the candles upstairs with us as it was almost bedtime anyway, so we just had an early night of it. 
And we used that lamp to get us through the house, that there would be no stumbling, no tripping, no falling. And so we kept it near. How we need as Christians to keep God's word near in our life. It's a lamp unto our feet. It guides us through the path of this life. But the light in the Hebrew refers to actually the light of day in the morning. There's a point that if you get up early and you, there's no electricity and you're using a fuel lamp or a candle, there's a point to where you would extinguish the lamp because the light of day has been birthed into the world once again. It's a new day. And there's a point where you don't need the false lights of a candle because you have the true light of the sun shining in. Now, we always need the Word of God, but we also need to combine God's Word with the true light of Jesus Christ. He becomes that light to our path to guide us through this life. The psalmist teaches us that God's Word is to be a lamp unto our feet that takes us through the darkness of this life and a light to our path that guides us through the clarity of the day. In other words, God is to be our lamp and our light in all the different occasions of our lives. This is why Jesus, he testified, I am the bright and morning star. I am the light of the world. I am the light of life. We know that light displaces darkness. We had the power go off this week, great example. We had a lot of lights, and suddenly we had none. Jesus said in John 12, 44, I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. The first thing I did as the lights went out was to find light. That should be the priority of our lives, to find light. The thing is, there's a lot of false light in this world today. And a lot of people are seeking after light that does not displace true darkness. If you go on a cave tour, any cave tour would probably do, when you're in the group and you go on a cave tour, they will uh, ultimately lead you to a place, whether you're going with lanterns or with electric lights that they've strung into the cave. They're going to get you to a place that's dark, and they're going to turn the lights off. They love to do this because they want you to see total darkness. Even when the lights went out at our house, or I could still see because there's still, it seemed like only the inside of our neighborhood lost power. The outside of the neighborhood did not. So there was still a little light, enough to shine into our windows. There was the moon, of course, that helped as well. There was enough light that I wasn't in total darkness. That's why I was able to navigate. But in that cave tour, they will ultimately turn out the lights. And today I would envision that they would ask some, one person to get out their cell phone. Back in the day, they used to ask people to get their lighter out or a match, but who carries those anymore? But cell phones are safer, right? Light up a cell phone. And they would show you how the darkness is displaced by the light of even one single light in a cave. Jesus does that for us. My little lantern that I used when I was a young boy, it didn't give off much light, but it was better than no light at all. And years later, I've learned, especially as I'm older, the more light, the better. 
Yet when speaking about spiritual things, we need to be aware of the false lights that are out there in the world. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, 13, and 14, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan himself is a false light. He gives light in this world, but he is not the light of the world. He is a false light that many are attracted to. And as it was in Jesus' day, so it is in our day. Most people refuse to come to the light of Jesus Christ that in order that they might remain in darkness. The Word of God tells us in John 3, 19, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And that's true to this day. And yet by walking in the light of Jesus Christ, he assures us that we have the light of life. Jesus not only said, I am the light of the world, I am the light of life. In John 1, 4, it tells us that in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 1, 9 says, and that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Speaking about Jesus Christ. In him was light, and he is the light of men. He is the true light. In John 9, verses 4 and 5, Jesus said of himself, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one will work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. Jesus Christ shining the true light into the darkness of this world. And although many have rejected him, he continues to allow his light to shine in such a way that it shines into our own hearts that we might be saved. Second Corinthians 4, 6 says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And God sent his only begotten son that we might believe in him in order that we might have the light of life. He not only sent Jesus that he could be the light of our lives, he sent us to be lights in this world as believers in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, we are to shine our lights because we are the light of the world. I know that might sound strange. I'm the light of the world. Well, it's what Jesus said to his followers. In Matthew 5, 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Once we receive the light of Jesus into our hearts, then we become a reflection of his love. We become a reflection of that light to others that others might see the light of Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. Remember phos, that Greek word, light in contrast to darkness? But for a light to be properly seen, it has to be displayed. 
And Jesus gave the example of a city sitting on a hill. He said a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Just think about the lights of modern day uh, cities today, maybe like New York or Los Angeles or Chicago. I mean, on a clear day, you can be 40 minutes away from Chicago and you can see at night, you can see the glow of the city. When things are perfect, you can see the city because that light cannot be hidden, even from miles away. And then, of course, if you get a little height, if you want to climb the uh, radio antenna tower out there, it'll get you up 70 feet. I've been up there, I know. From there, you can see Lake Michigan. From there, you can see Wilmot uh, Ski Hill, uh, which is north to us up in Wisconsin. Uh, and from there, you could probably see Chicago on the right non-cloudy day. We happen to be at one of the highest points in Lake County, so that helps as well. We're higher than the surrounding areas. But a light that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Cities that are illuminated with all the electric lights that we have today, they're easily seen even from a distance. And that is how we are to be. Now think about this. If all of Chicago had electric lights, as it does, but only one person in the whole city had its light on, do you think that we would see the glow of that light from a distance at all? But when two, three, four thousands light up, we have this stronger strength, right? That is Christians. You are the light of the world. Together, we have a stronger reflection of Christ and his love to the world around us. And we're not to hide that light, which I believe that to our shame as believers, we often attempt to do. Again, we're looking at Matthew 5, now verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. And although Jesus is the light, through faith in him, we become a reflection of that light. It is not solely for our own personal use. We are the light of the world, the Lord Jesus said. They put it on a lamp. That Greek word for lamp means to shine forth as a torch. To shine forth as a torch. Lampo is the Greek word. Think of a lamp post, right? And a lamp post, you put it up high, it shines forth. Lampo, I'm sure they pulled that from the Greek word here to shine forth as a torch. That is what the Lord called us. Nor do they light the lamp, but they put it on a lampstand. That light is a lampo. It shines forth as a torch. Now, at Christmas time, people like to decorate their houses. You could have minimal decorations on the outside to just overkill. We have... We have one that I don't think it's overkill in our neighborhood, but man, they go all out. And it is voted best looking outdoor decor, whether summer, winter, or fall, or Christmas. They win all year round. But you could have no lights on the outside, and you still might have a Christmas tree on the inside, minimal light on the inside. And someone perhaps, for an example, who have no lights on the outside, no Christmas decoration on the outside, but they have Christmas lights decorated on the inside of their home, 
And in our house, maybe it's in the uh, backside of the house, so you don't even see that from the streets. So it's kind of hidden within our home. We do have lights on the outside, but the one that's on the inside, it's, it's kind of hidden, tucked away in our house. I believe that's how many Christians are. They take the light of Jesus Christ, they tuck it away into their hearts, but we are to be that, the Greek word, lampo, think of lamp post, we're to be that shining torch, we're to shine that light for others to see. And it's necessary that we first have the light of Jesus Christ in our hearts, that we're able then to shine forth that light into the world, that others might see the light and find the light of life. So the Lord said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The purpose of shining forth the love of Jesus Christ into this world is not that people should see our good works and glorify us, but glorify God, that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So let your light so shine. This shows us that the light of Jesus Christ in our lives far exceeds the counterfeit lights of this world. And it is because of a few things. In Jesus Christ, we are new creations. We need to know this. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all have become new. Out with the old man, the old person, the old woman, in with the new, the one who has been born in Jesus Christ. As believers, we must first replace the darkness in our lives with the light of Jesus Christ, and then let our light so shine before others. Second, we find that in Jesus, we discover that we are God's workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a purpose for each of us. He has given us a work to do. And combined together as lights of Jesus Christ, we shine brighter when working together, but God has given each of us a work to do. It's not about one individual serving Christ within a church, but it's about the church coming together to present the gifts and offerings that the Lord, the talents that the Lord had given them, that together we might serve our Lord and so let our light shine. Every light needs a power source. In Jesus' day, they used oil to fuel their lamps. Today, we have electricity that we use to fuel the lights that we have. But it needs to be replenished, right? Oil in Jesus' day, they had to constantly trim the wicks, replace the wicks as needed, give new oil into the lamp. They had to tend the lamps to keep the lamps burning properly. And even today, we may flip a light switch on, but we learn that if something goes wrong, the lights can go off and you hope somebody will fix it. It needed a power source. And we need to replenish your word is a lamp unto my feet. The word of God is a power source for us, right? As believers, this is the way that we replenish spirit in our lives through the reading of God's word, through studying God's word, through coming to church together. It becomes a power source for us that we can shine brighter than others around us or in this world that we find ourselves in. 
And it's the Holy Spirit that replenishes us. In James chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, James refers to the Father of lights. He says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. We are the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ says. We are to shine in order that people might see our good works and give glory to your Father in heaven, to God in heaven. We're not to shine to have the spotlight shine on us, but we are to shine forth that we might allow God to be glorified through the works that we do. And we do better when we're together, but even when we're not together, we are the light of the world. And so, Lord, let us put those lights on the lamppost and shine in such a way that others might see the light and come to Jesus, that they too might have the light of Christ. It's our prayer, Lord, this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.